Texas talking. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking. Oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking. Tell me who can you trust when Texas guys Yo, this is Vincent Harris, CEO of Harris Media and Chief Digital Strategist for fellow Baylor Bear, Kentucky, U.S. Senator Rand Paul's presidential campaign. Welcome to everyone listening to this week's TribCast online, and also welcome to the NSA, who's listening, I'm sure, everywhere. And here's your host, Evan Smith. Thank you, Vincent. Uh, welcome to uh, this week's TribCast. I'm Evan Smith, in for a vacationing Emily Ramshaw. It's the last week of July. And I'm joined by executive editor Ross Ramsey. I don't think he needed any in NSA equipment to hear that. Yeah, we could hear him from the yeah. moon. That was pretty pretty loud. <laughs> it's on. It's, it's on. Pretty good. <laughs> and uh, reporters Patrick Svitek. Hello. And Morgan Smith. Hello. Uh, thank you all for being here. Um, this is going to seem a lot harder, I think, than I thought it was going to be. When you have to is stop it? making fun of him. Have confidence in you. Is have, this your first time? Uh, I, I think hosting? I may have hosted once before, and I, I repressed the memory of it. But anyway, I'm repressing <laughs> the memory Everybody of this as, we, the as, of it, as right? we speak. Here we go. Um, been destroyed. Let's begin with an upbeat topic: Planned Parenthood. Uh, uh, the Planned Parenthood organization has uh, really been in the news uh, over the last couple of weeks as a result of these videos that were secretly taped. Um, at clinics around the country, we discover through the reporting of our colleague Alexa Yura uh, this week that it was in Houston as well. The Planned Parenthood Clinic in Houston was one of those at which the secret taping occurred. And as we sit here recording this TribCast, there's a hearing going on convened by Charles Schwartner, the chair of the Senate Health and Human Services Committee, about the topic of uh, fetal tissue research and whether anything untoward uh, beyond what they already believed was untoward, the performing of abortions, was going on at these, uh, at these clinics. Ross, this is a policy issue, but is at, at base, really, it's a political issue as much as it is a policy well, issue. Well, I think it's more of a political issue, actually. Yeah. I, you know, I think a, a lot of this stuff was sort of known in general. The details are killing Planned Parenthood on this. And, you know, the, right. the, the, it's I, not clear that Planned Parenthood is doing anything different from what they were doing or is necessarily doing anything that is illegal. Right, right, right. It's we the, don't we don't know what the legality of this. is. So you know the the sort of the policy issue is what happens to fetal tissue and how can you use it in research and those kinds of things and are you selling it or donating it or covering your costs or whatever, and that's sort of generally known and there's a lot of support for fetal tissue research, you know, across the political spectrum. There's not a lot of support for fetal tissue research if the fetal tissue comes from aborted fetuses at Planned Parenthood clinics. And the details of that and people talking about that and the optics of talking about that while you're drinking a glass of wine and, and you know, I mean, it's just it's just a horrible PR mess and political mess for Planned Parenthood. The Republicans, not surprisingly, have been and, and the and pro-life politicians have been, you know, their position's comfortable here. The the interesting thing to watch has been the Democrats and some of the people who've been supporters of Planned Parenthood, some of whom are now kind of going, boy, this is really uncomfortable. This is awkward. Mm -hmm. Right. And there hasn't, the, Patrick, there hasn't been a lot of public comment by Democrats in support of Planned Parenthood at the elected official class. There's been I think some. There, there's been some general expressions of support, but I, I think even some of the Democrats who've been, you know, longtime Planned Parenthood supporters it's are a reluctant tough subject. to get out there and, and right. directly address what is purported to be happening in these videos. I mean, I agree with Ross that the, the tone and the optics are the most damaging politically because for Planned Parenthood um, opponents, this just confirms what, you know, they've long uh, criticized the organization for, which is not only are they responsible for 
you know, this practice that they're ardently against, but the, their supporters and the people who work for them are, are almost kind of flippant about Callous it. Callous disregard. For life, yeah. I mean, that's what pro, a, a Republican would say, yeah. Uh, Ross said uh, uh, that it had something to do with the, the, the fetal tissue taken from aborted fetuses at a Planned Parenthood clinic. If this had been fetal tissue taken from aborted fetuses at a hospital or at a, at, a, at a facility not a Planned Parenthood facility, would we be having the same conversation, Morgan? Is this about Planned Parenthood, or is this about the practice that's been alleged through the through these videos? I think you throw the name Planned Parenthood in there, and that's an instant fire starter. I think the brand of Planned Parenthood it, among among Republicans, among you know the leadership of this state, it's kind of an instant rallying cry. I think that um, so that makes it a lot easier to stir up. Um, questions and to call hearings and to call for investigations on it. I think that, um, you know, the ho the question of hospitals using the same thing, you know, I think that that could be perhaps become similarly controversial, similarly a talking point at this at at this time. If you have a lot of questions over, you know, is this law strong enough? Are there ways to create loopholes in which, you know, there's a way to make profit off of this that you know is not covered by the law. We don't know, though, to, to, to that point about the law, mm -hmm. and alluded to this with, with Ross. We do not know whether Planned Parenthood has been in uh, uh, following through on this practice right. in violation of any law. Yeah, and I think just right. judging by the tweets that are coming out of the hearing, Ken Paxton said that he could not discuss the contents of the Houston Planned Parenthood video. Right, so we know that there mm -hmm. are three videos that have been publicly released. The most mm -hmm. recent of those was released yesterday as we sit here. We're sitting here on Wednesday. There's so there 10 was a, in total? So Tuesday, yesterday, the third a third video was released. I believe it was filmed in Denver. Alexa mm -hmm. Ura reported earlier this week that there was a clinic in Houston at which taping occurred and Ken Pax and I gather in his testimony this morning confirmed that there's a Houston video and that he has seen the contents of it. But as you say, and, and will not discuss also, the. Yeah, he was questioned about the okay, you can't you can't see the you, we don't know the details. Did you notice any law breaking? And he said it's too early to say. Can't comment. So. But but again, law breaking would presumably be around this question of whether the procurement of fetal tissue from aborted mm -hmm. fetuses is 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 lawful yeah, or no, not i think this this organization i don't know that the law these, has been broken or the law yeah, has i mean broken. they've hinted that there's so much more to come and in that way they kind of operate as a very savvy kind of like political opposition research organization you trick you gen you gradually trickle out your stuff and you build up to right the, and you, I, you know, the american the phoenix guys by the way <laughs> right learn something from these guys right? i mean yeah. I, and i think that planned parenthood has not even seen the at least the houston video which has only been viewed by um Kind of select lawmakers and, and they the had to sign some kind of a release off. saying they wouldn't wouldn't talk about it. Yeah, right. so they haven't seen it. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think, think that they've seen it. At I this think point. I think Alexa reported that As they, of had last asked, night. they had asked yeah. to see it, asked to be to see it in advance but of the hearing, asked, and, yeah. and were yeah. not permit and were not permitted or did not have the opportunity. This is Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. There, Parenthood. Were, some, there were some lawmakers who some were allowed lawmakers. to see it Correct. after having signed waivers that said, "I will not." disclose what I see here. So that's right. kind of the position Paxton's in. It's, it, you know, this is one of those things that the details are, in the best circumstances, hard to take under public scrutiny. If you say, you know, we're going to do stem cell research, or we're going to do fetal tissue research, and you talk about all the benefits of that, and you talk about all of the all right. of the all of the science around that, everybody goes, okay, that's great. When you talk about how you obtain that tissue in the first place, now you're into very, very touchy territory, and, and there's nothing about that first tape, certainly, 
and and I guess maybe the second one that we haven't seen yet. But the first tape was just you couldn't watch it without crossing your arms. It was squeamish. And you could be the terrible. biggest supporter of uh, reproductive rights. You could be an officer of Planned Parenthood. It was uncomfortable. It was hard, a hard terrible to thing to. to watch. To the Planned Parenthood question. So Planned Parenthood uh, executives were invited. Uh, to testify at the hearing today uh, mm-hmm. at the Health and Human Services Committee. Uh, yesterday, we saw on Twitter a couple of different people, Alexa and others, tweeted out a list of the invited uh, uh, people who were going to testify. And that was from Shortner's office. was from Shortner's yeah. office. And it was it was there were more people on the pro-life side than on the pro-choice side or on the Planned Parenthood side, but there were a couple of Planned Parenthood executives. It turns out uh, that they declined to appear. And I have the, the letter here that they sent to Senator Schwartner explaining their reason for not appearing, and I'll read a part of it. Your letter indicates that the specific focus of the committee's inquiry is a recent video regarding the, quote, sale of fetal organs and fetal tissue, close quote, by Planned Parenthood affiliates, and whether any Texas affiliate of Planned Parenthood is breaking the law in that regard. The health centers and ambulatory surgical centers affiliated with Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas have never participated in fetal tissue donation or research. As a result, Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas does not plan to appear on Wednesday as it's not clear what the organization could offer in regard to the committee's inquiry on this particular topic. He may be technically right, but just based on what I've read so far of Ken Paxson's testimony, this is not an inquiry that is limited to, or at least the discussion is not limited, Ross, just to fetal tissue. In some ways, this is a cracked door that allows people who are really about uh, opposed to abortion and Planned Parenthood, to Morgan's earlier point, mm-hmm. to walk through it, right? This well, right. created I mean, an opportunity, Planned, Planned lying in wait for Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is the crash test dummy here. And, right. and you know, why go to a hearing where, mm-hmm. you know, everybody gets a bat near the pinata, I'm, you know, to right. completely mix up the metaphor. Does it matter, Patrick, that the, the there's an allegation that these videos were, A, recorded uh, se- secretly? I don't know if secretly necessarily translates mm-hmm. into illegally. Mm-hmm. We're discovering with the American Phoenix videos. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're discussion during the legislature, legislative session that the laws on this don't necessarily. Mm-hmm. And it could vary state by state. Right. Yeah. Well, that's in, that's interesting. I wonder if they chose the states. You know, Texas yeah. is a one-party one state. Party. Correct. Yeah. One yeah. party consent. Either, either party right. can take. And it seems like a very smart group. I mean, I'm, right. I'm sure they, they may have cherry-picked the states. So, so, so yeah. the, the, does it make a difference that there's an allegation that the videos were secretly, if not illegally, recorded on the one hand, and that they were selectively edited Mm-hmm. To make well, have we have we heard anything about the extent to which they were allegedly selectively edited or no? There's just been I, I believe Morgan right. There's just been the allegation yeah. of that, mm-hmm. right? So does it make well, a difference? But they also released on their first tape. You know, it was selectively edited in the short form, but they also released, released the, the whole full tape. version, so they could mm-hmm. say, you know, here's right. here's contextual information. I mean, they, you know, to your point, you know, they've been pretty smart about how they rolled this out. And I believe yeah. there was some conversation around the idea that the Senate members of the committee, Ross, that you alluded to them being able to see yeah. the video, that they may have seen as much as eight hours yeah. of video over a couple different days. And that may suggest yeah, a full video as opposed to an edited video. As far as the political momentum is concerned, I don't think selective editing is going to slow it down in any way if you're predisposed to be against Planned Parenthood. Um, unless there is some bombshell of a news right. story about how they were edited and so dramatically that it would change opinions. I don't think you're going right. to change your position on this. So what happens in Texas as a result of this? This is obviously a profoundly pro-life state, at least from a they already lost their funding here. political standpoint. Right. right. The funding is not an issue. That's already resolved. They've banned abortion at 20 weeks as of the 2013 session, although the constitutionality of some of the abortion legislation that passed here is still being discussed and debated. Um you know, could you be more of an anti-abortion state than Texas is already? What more can the legislature conceivably do as a result of this if uh, 
if ba- it wants to. Back to what I was saying before, you know, if you've got Democrats who are pro-choice or even pro-choice Republicans and this puts them on the fence, then you've got a, a leading edge issue in a culture war sort of a sense going into an election year. I mean, this is, this is useful in primaries. It provides, in, it provides a the, wedge. If I'm in the it's March primaries as a Democrat <clears throat> in Texas, you know, in a Democratic legislative district or something like that, mm-hmm. this is a potential wedge issue. If I'm in a, you know, if I'm a pro-choice Republican in the March primaries, this is certainly a wedge issue. I mean, you know, as a political thing, this is really, you know, pretty well-timed for the primaries. And if it lingers, uh, Patrick, into the general election as an issue, you could imagine that in the few competitive general election races that you have in Texas, um, you I don't know, think we're ever going to get to this. It's either R or D. You know, <laughs> well, red flag, but, you know, blue flag. if Will Will Hurd is in a profoundly sure. pro-life, Catholic, Hispanic district, sure. as a Republican member, and he's uh, uh, you know in a debate with Pete Gallego, the Democrat who represented that district mm-hmm. before he did, you could imagine something like this potentially yeah. coming up as an issue uh, or in a couple of legislative right. races, which tend to be competitive in presidential We'll see. I mean, had they said when the, the timeline is for the release of these additional videos, they could space it out over the next few months, several months, depending on and how much And keep it to be more, more of a story. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, Patrick, let me stay with you. Uh, we had mentioned Attorney General Paxton testifying at this hearing. Attorney General Paxton has an interesting situation that he's grappling with now, a, a Politically I'm sure that's how they refer to it inside. <laughs> yes. This is an interesting in situation. Fact, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, peculiar. I'm, quoting Anthony, I'm quoting Anthony Holm as he's drinking a cup of tea with his pinky raised in the air and I the monocle is firmly very, in his very, eye, very eye socket. Tea. Yeah. Um, uh, he's grappling with an interesting situation politically and legally uh, right now uh, related to the grand jury um, mm-hmm. uh, investigation or grand jury yeah. uh proceeding going up uh, going on up in Collin County. Update us on where we are on that and, sure, his, so, and his situation. Yeah. So the, the latest development was that it appears a Collin County grand jury uh, began to meet yesterday, Tuesday, or met for the most recent time yesterday um, to start hearing evidence um, against the Ken Pax and the Attorney General. Now, one of the two special prosecutors involved in this case has said that they are going to be presenting evidence to the grand jury that he committed first-degree felony securities fraud, which is um, up until, you know, a few weeks ago or several weeks ago, way more serious than anything that was ever said to be, uh, I guess, being explored against him uh, as, a, as a potential charge. And so, Again, it appears, based on reports from from media in the, in the Dallas area, that the special prosecutors, Texas Rangers, and all the relevant players were at the courthouse yesterday, and it sounds like they're going to be meeting um, again uh, next Tuesday. Um, and so, this you know, this stuff is getting really serious. And as we wrote yesterday, um, you can tell in I guess you know Ken Paxton, his his spokesman, has been uh, increasingly sharpening his criticism against this process. I think the technical yeah. phrase also is shit talking the special <laughs> prosecutor. Right? There's a little shit talking in return. Too. I mean, it's, it's oh, been yeah. quite the, uh, you know, it's been quite the war for public opinion, I think. Right. And um, starring Al Pacino <laughs> and Robert De Niro. Well, they are <laughs> quiet, quiet, my, yeah, puffing up their right, chests. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. 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 I mean, so it, Paxton's team has gone gone after these special prosecutors saying uh, they're impartial. Um partly because they've built their careers uh, defending the kinds of criminals that Ken Paxton uh, is now prosecuting. Like Tom uh, DeLay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one, uh, Tom DeLay's appellate. Brian Weiss was Tom DeLay's appellate lawyer. He's right. the guy that after all of that stuff that came out of the 2003 elections, 
got delay, indicted, convicted. He's right. the guy who got the acquittal at the end, 10 years mm-hmm. later. Yeah. You know, and, and Paxson's team has also raised the issue of this outside lawyer um, who, you know, runs a, a legal blog. I believe he's from the Dallas area who, um, you know, was really kind of researching and investigating this case on his own. This is Ty Clevenger. Yes, right. exactly. And so now that that factor, which has long been known to reporters, I think, is now entering the public picture. Uh, Paxson's spokesman brought it up in an op-ed for the statesman. And so there's just a lot, a, a lot of allegations flying around in, in the court of public right. opinion. Morgan, does anybody in the public not us and not in the business of politics give a crap about this story? I mean, I think that's that's the part that works in Paxton's favor. And those that do pay attention to this um, among Republican primary voters, I think, are already distrustful of reports that come out in the media. They're already distrustful of, um, you know, politically based prosecutions, um, which is the case that Paxton has obviously been making. And so it's, you know, this is certainly not something that is, you know, fun or opportune for Paxton to have to deal with. But and it, it, it seems as though, you know, this this grand jury could could go on for weeks. We don't really know the timeline. Um, and then, you know, after that, there's you know potentially a trial and or continued appeals. So, I mean, it's not something that's ideal, but I looking at it politically, it's it's hard to see how it uh, really hits Paxton hard uh, yet. I think it's, he's not yeah. it's not crippling his ability, Patrick, to do I don't the think, job I think of attorney general. He's right? Fine. No, no, I think politically so far, I mean. I don't think it's inhibited his his ability to do his job or, or maintain right. his standing within uh, the Republican Party in Texas. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see as things get more and more serious what other statewide leaders have right. to say about this. I mean, there was the interview where, where Governor Abbott with Texas Monthly said he did not know anything about it, I believe, or he said that he did not want to get into the specifics. Or Everybody whatever. has kept their fingers off of this one, you know, and it's partly because the right. – the Texas Rangers who found whatever evidence this is and the special prosecutors who are giving it to the grand jury have not said exactly what the allegation is. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is securities law. It's going to be technical. It's a first-degree felony, which is 5 to 99 or life and a $10,000 fine. So it's really a serious crime if it's a crime at all. Mm-hmm. And I think until they have the facts, nobody's saying anything. But as a matter of politics, you know, you're besieged and fighting until – you're convicted. You know? Ask Governor and, Perry about that. Well, right? I mean, he's, he's hoping for some kind of a Governor Perry outcome here, where mm-hmm. if he is indicted, it you know they kick and scream, and his version of Tony Busby kicks and screams sure. until the, the real parallel here is 32 away. years ago when we had a new Attorney General named Jim Maddox, who was in office and was accused of commercial right. bribery in office. It was a little different because it was in office. Paxton's is not in office. But it was, you know, one of these things where, you know, what the heck is commercial bribery? And, you know, there was a sort of technical thing, and it went up. Abbott or um, Maddox got indicted, a big, showy, noisy trial, and was acquitted, mm-hmm. got reelected, ran for governor, ran for Senate. You know, his political career went on. You know, Paxton beats this thing one way or the other. Right. Um, it strengthens him. <clears throat> Same, you know, that happened to Maddox. It happened to Kay Bailey Hutchison. Correct. Um, Being he, indicted is not a, a disqualifier right. from serving in public office. And, in fact, even if it were to go to the point that Ken Paxton were disbarred, right. you can be, God bless the state of Texas, the attorney general, the state's top <laughs> lawyer, and not be a member of the bar. Right. right. Correct? Yep. Right. Um, politically, from Paxton's standpoint, to look backwards for a second, the, the Dan Branch campaign yeah. was perfectly happy to inform and educate all of us about Ken Paxton's potential legal problems, including 
a prediction, which may turn out to be true, that while in office, should he be elected, he might face some kind of grand jury proceeding uh, and an indictment. Um, had the election been conducted on the block between the Austin Club and the Starbucks at 10th and Congress, <laughs> Dan Branch might be attorney general. Yeah, he'd, but be, the reality serving, is, he'd be serving with U.S. Senator David Dewhurst. David Dewhurst. The reality <laughs> is outside, and, and Governor K. Bailey Hutchinson. Right. The reality is outside the bubble that is that one block, the public did not seem interested enough, and the Republican primary electorate did not seem interested enough in this story. Uh, Branch got whipped by Paxton in the runoff, and Sam Houston got whipped by Paxton in the general, right. despite the fact that much of what we're talking about now was alleged and in conversation at the time. I think it's just it's a highly technical allegation, allegations. Right. You know, I mean, I don't think the average voter could tell you, let alone right. reporter, including myself, you know, what are, what are some there's of the no, main parts no of the corpse, State Securities Act. Right. This is not like there's a corpse yeah. that showed up. I well, yeah, it's not a, not a good, you know, dirt under your fingernails crime, right? The curious thing would be is, you know, does something shift in which... Abbott somehow feels pressure to ask Paxton to step down. I mean that that would be an interesting shift. And are there are there will there be Republicans who somehow feel pressure to uh, disown Paxton? Of course, Paxton is the uh, is the favorite of a wing of the Republican Party in Texas that is dominant very, and ascendant. Very important. Right? Exactly. And for a Republican statewide elected official, Abbott or anybody else, to decide that the time had come to turn on Ken Paxton would be a thing. And it would also be kind of the, the bomb under Archduke Ferdinand's uh, uh, throne that would cause some kind of a war to break out, don't you think? Well, I think this is going to be a little old school. I think this is going to be one of those things where you don't watch state politics to figure out how everybody's going. You watch the Collin County Republican machine. And, you know, right. this is going around as buzz in the Collin County courthouse. And as that develops, as it always does in a courthouse, you're going to see people sort of saying, people who would ordinarily be in Paxton's corner saying, well, I think I'm going to sit this one out. And people maybe even taking a leap and saying, you know, I think there may be something here. I think the state Republican, statewide Republicans are going to get their cues from the Collin County Republicans. That's the first place to look for trouble. Mm -hmm. Okay, so speaking of bombs and bombs being thrown, let's talk about Ted Cruz, Patrick. <laughs> so Ted, I turned on my television on Sunday to watch a baseball game and was treated to the fleeting spectacle on C-SPAN of Ted Cruz calling Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, a liar. Mm -hmm. I know that politics has gotten coarse in this country. I couldn't remember in all my years of watching this stuff casually and, and not casually uh, a spectacle mm -hmm. As exactly like that. Yeah. So Ted Cruz, you know, this has, I think, been a bit of a, a simmering conflict, but it all came to a head with this this Cruz floor speech in which he, um, you know, basically accused um, Mitch McConnell in a really remarkable, I think, uh, speech that he had deceived uh, Cruz and other senators about a deal he was potentially, allegedly, purportedly cutting um, as it relates to the reauthorization of the Export-Import Bank. Right. A topic that, by the way, makes state securities law look like Nicki Minaj right. versus Taylor Swift in terms of its public-facing aspects, right? Next up, the effect yeah. of fluoride yeah. on fluoride. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, I'm, I'm just falling asleep talking about it right now. Wow. But Cruz makes us exciting. He does. Um, so, you know. Really? <laughs> is, he the, is he the Nicki Minaj or the Taylor Swift in that I think Taylor Swift. Yeah. You think he is? Yeah. 
<laughs> so, yeah, but the Export-Import Bank, you know, has become this target of many conservatives in Congress and outside Congress. It's become a, you know, an example to them of, of crony capitalism, of big business getting all these advantages over small businesses and then the small guy. Right. And so um, it's really become kind of a populist instrument politically for, for people right. like Ted Cruz. And, um, you know, in this speech, he said that Mitch McConnell had, had duped him. Um, into thinking that he had not cut a deal to revive the bank, basically. Right. Now, Morgan, I'm thinking back to a scene in Animal House where John Belushi, or I don't remember who it is. Kind of bone up on your movies before. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Otter, whoever it was, is at the fraternity, the fraternity house, Female and they're all saying, too. we're going to go, we're going to go get him, let's go. And he runs out of the fraternity house, and nobody follows him. Ted Cruz was kind of like that, wasn't he? Ted Cruz thought that he was going to give a speech that was going to incite some kind of a revolution, pitchforks and torches taken up against the majority well, leader. He got outside the fraternity house and realized nobody followed him out. And that well, was, I mean, I think that I th John Cornyn kind of brought this up in kind of his, when he took his stand against Ted Cruz, Cornyn brought this up and said, right. you know, if, if indeed Mitch McConnell had been lying, wouldn't you expect that you know, it wouldn't be just one of all of the Republicans in the Senate that would have called him out on it. I mean, right. and I think that that, you know, he has been in an he's he's kind of consistently played this isolationist role. This he's been alienated. You've always had the headlines about that. Um, Cruz versus the world. Exactly. Cruz party of one. And right. and, you know, and even in comparison to kind of some of the other firebrand conservative senators, he's now um, kind of on his island. But. I think right now that doesn't really matter to him because I think it's exactly what he wants. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is the Washington cartel story that he's been telling. You yeah. know, back to what you were saying about Austin and the one block here. He's talking about the one block in Washington. And in Washington, people don't support me. And, you know, you hear a lot of noise about this, but I'm representing you. And he talks past Washington and he's hoping that on that level, this works. These guys are all, you know, colluding. Even the Republicans are colluding. They've gone completely native up there. I haven't gone native. I'm the only one. I'm, you know. Right. I think this. I think this for his, uh, for the people who are supporting Cruz in the presidential race, and for the people who might support Cruz if somebody else drops out of the presidential race, this kind of stuff works. Red, red meat. Uh, Morgan brought up John Cornyn. Ross, the continuing saga of. John Cornyn versus Ted Cruz is of enormous interest to all of us here. It may be a small audience <laughs> uh, for this particular theater, but it's an audience, and we're part of that audience. I thought most notable in John Cornyn's remarks on the floor about Ted Cruz, in which he pronounced Ted Cruz mistaken, right. were the number of times in which he used the phrase junior senator. He kept referring to Ted Cruz as the junior senator, yeah, right. yeah. the junior senator, the junior senator. I kind of expected him to, to oh, give man. him a— a present that was, you know, new knee pants or something, you know? <laughs> well, but I, I, I really, I, I know that they both say, oh, everything's great, you know. Well, everything's Cruz, Cruz wouldn't endorse I mean, yeah. Cornyn. John Cornyn is a good friend. John Cornyn's a good friend. <laughs> Cruz wouldn't endorse Cornyn against Steve Stockman, you know. The Stockman campaign at the time we said was like an Andy Kaufman prank. There was absolutely no risk it, yeah. it, to, it, to Cruz in endorsing Cornyn. He chose not to. Cornyn. It says quite a bit that Cornyn uh, led the charge among the Republican senators 
It says quite a lot that Mike Lee wasn't with Cruz. I mean, you know, nobody was with yeah. Cruz. That's what I was going to say earlier. To politically interpret that that floor speech, going back to it, you have to understand. I don't. I don't think it was politically aimed at really anybody in in Washington, in Congress. Not even a Mike Lee. It was aimed at people who are far outside Washington. And I'm probably sound like I'm repeating exactly right. what his campaign told me. <laughs> right. But it's but, the, you but, know that's his strategy. God, man, but, you've been spun. Yeah. So, so that actually that actually quick. I want to do this quickly because I want to get to turnout in 2016 in a second before we close. That. You know, we're sitting sitting here less than a week from the debate, or maybe a week mm-hmm. from the debate, the first Republican debate in which the top ten make the main stage, yeah. and the bottom six make kids the table, yeah. kids sit at the kids table. Um, Cruz will make the debate by every poll that we've seen. He's down in the sort of sixth or seventh place nationally, right? That's what it sounds like. Um, he's not hurting himself with the Republican base when he gets gets up and gives a speech like the one he gave this weekend, right? That, no, I don't think so at all. And, and no. so from the standpoint of where he fits within the hierarchy of the Republican candidates running for president, this is a net gain for him or a net neutral, but it's not a net negative, right? Absolutely. And, I, I mean, with that kind of speech and, uh, you know, the rhetoric he's followed it up right. with, I think he's only uh, redoubling and redoubling his support on, right. His, on his right. Is Rick Perry going to make that debate, Patrick? At this point, I, I think I think he will, um, but he's not. He's definitely on the bubble. He's so like much tenth more of than, ten, than Ted Cruz. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, he's kind of been uh, behind in it Fiorina, and out of wasn't it. he? No, yeah. no, no, no. Fiorina is actually, I think, in kids' table territory I, I think right she's now. Firmly in kids' table territory. Um, you know, my theory that I've been I've been sharing with people is that uh, uh, Trump has actually helped Perry as far as the debate calculus is concerned because Trump uh, dominated news coverage most when John Kasich announced. Yeah. And John Kasich could have had a decent bump in the polls, but his announcement speech pretty much was completely overshadowed by Trump. Kasich, I think, in the polls could have been the, the one of the, the uh, worst threats to Perry as far as knocking him out of the top 10. Could you imagine a situation in which we have a debate for Republican presidential candidates, a main stage and a sideshow, and the main stage <laughs> happens on August 6th in Ohio, and the governor of Ohio, John Kasich, is uh, not on the main stage? Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. This looks entirely possible. What a mess. What, what a mess. mess. So let me let's let's end the podcast today by talking about turnout in 2016. So it I alluded, sucks. I allude. Well, <laughs> but it will suck less theoretically, right? right? So presidential years turnout here tends to be better. It's in, always better. In, Morgan, yeah. in Morgan's home city of San Antonio, for instance, low turnout. Do to blame Morgan? We can yeah. just say we can assume low turnout was partly responsible for Pete Gallego losing his congressional seat to Will Hurd. It was partly responsible for Philip Cortez losing his legislative seat to Rick Galindo. Um, you know, we know that low turnout was a factor in the special elections. In the mayoral in race. In the mayoral race. Well, it was, it was in the arg- race that yeah, elected right. uh, Arguably, uh, Jose right. Menendez against Trey. But a factor, not the deciding factor, not the only factor, but a factor. At least something cited by the losing side. Something cited as <laughs> losing sides. Right. It's yeah. just like people who are. I, I don't chart. know that the people just who like, didn't show up. Right would have voted differently from the people who did. But That's pe- the question. Just like people yeah. who are targeted by grand juries say it's political. Yeah. <laughs> people who lose special elections and off-year elections say it's all about turnout. Right. The reality is if you're Trey Martinez-Fisher and you're looking at going back uh, at Jose Menendez in another round at this, right. and you don't have a special election, which is traditionally low turnout, but you're going to have a Democratic primary and you're going to have a presidential election year, turnout's going to be more in your favor. If you're Pete Gallego and you're calculating whether to run against Will Hurd in a congressional race that has switched occupants mm-hmm. or seat that switched occupants and parties four of the last five or all five of the last five yeah. times you're looking at a presidential election year even though democrats are not going to be competitive in texas and you're thinking turnout's a better thing for us you believe right. turnout could be a thing in 2016 i do, I do. Yeah. um 2008 was the you know sort of the 
last experiment with this, the Democrats got to Texas and had not settled their nomination. Right. Obama and Clinton were both still viable. This is unexpected. Usually by the time you get to Texas, right. it's known, and you can go do your protest vote and you know, go get a tasty cream. Um, the turnout in that election what, what exactly went is a tasty from— tasty cream? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's soft serve ice cream. Okay. You're from New York. No, never mind. No, I'm like younger than 90. That's why uh, I'm asking. Okay. <laughs> um, go to Sandy's. Um, okay. The, um, I'll tell Governor turnout, Perry hello. Apparently you do that after you— Go to the courthouse. Right, yeah, right. Yes. After you're indicted, go to yeah. go to Sandy's. Yeah. Um, so in 2008, you know, if if normal turnout in a Democratic primary is X, turnout that year was 2.4 X. Right. 240 um, percent. It was so it was such a good race. Sorry, <clears throat> that the Republican turnout went up. Right. So the theory here is that the Republicans can't settle their nomination before they get to Texas. We've got two people with solid Texas ties. Three more with um, arguable Ish. Texas ties. Right. Um, and, you know, you've got a national campaign. So they come here, they advertise, they campaign, they work. Republican turnout probably goes way up. Now, the question is, is that a different electorate in demeanor or just size? Right. If it's bigger, so what? Right. If it's bigger and different, then that gets kind of interesting down the ballot. Yeah. You know, in addition to being interesting in the presidential race. Come back to this question, Morgan, of the general election. So Hillary Clinton, let's assume, is the nominee, right? If Hillary Clinton, in fact, is the nominee of the Democratic Party in November, she's not going to win Texas. Texas is not going to be a competitive state, barring something cataclysmic. Mm -hmm. Texas is not likely to be a competitive state Feel the in, burn, in 2016. Right? <laughs> okay? But does her presence on the ballot ultimately tip the scales in races, as we alluded to? Does it help, in fact, Pete Gallego? Does it help... Philip Cortez, who's announced he's going to run again, again against Rick Lindo. Ross has said for a couple different years that some of those Dallas County legislative races could be competitive under the right circumstances. Right. Does that yeah, happen? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you have, a, I mean, Hillary Clinton is a big name. There are Democrats that will be going out to vote that, you know, would probably not have voted in a midterm election that will be going out so that they can cast their ballot for, for Hillary. And, you know, I don't know if in the few swing districts that we have, you know, maybe that would maybe that's something that that might work in the Democrats' favor. Um, I mean, I think it, it certainly wouldn't hurt. Um, it's certainly not. It's going not. To it's hurt. not a net negative. Yeah, yeah. You know, Patrick. It's often said that Bill Clinton was the first black president. Hillary Clinton could be the first Hispanic president. Yeah, I mean, she has deep ties to that community, obviously, right. which is an ascendant population in Texas. So we'll see. I'm personally interested in how much Republicans are going to use her as the the nominee to continue to gin up their supporters with this prospect of Texas turning blue, which we know, obviously, you know, is still a long way away. If it right. is a way, if not um, longer than you it was see, before last yeah, election, yeah, you already right. see, you know, Greg Abbott sending out fundraising appeals saying, you know, right. Battleground Texas, you know, raised X amount of money, which was you know, that shady organization. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the only people who think that Battleground Texas is on the ascent. <laughs> Yeah. Greg Abbott's fundraising. Exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah. A, special, a special shout out here for Erica Sacken, who went from spokesperson for Battleground Texas yeah. to national spokesperson for Planned Parenthood. Oh, God. And on that note, uh, <laughs> if you would like uh, to send us any questions or comments about the podcast, or if you'd like Ross Ramsey to take you out for a tasty cream at Sandy's, uh, Please email that request or your questions or comments to tribcast at texastribune.org. 
And if, like me, you want Emily to come back and host this podcast again, don't worry. She'll be back next week. Um, I also want to be sure to invite you to the 5th Annual Texas Tribune Festival, October 16th to 18th on the University of Texas at Austin campus. Yesterday, we announced a whole uh, a, a list of uh, big national names who have committed to speak at the festival, including uh, U.S. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, uh, including Piper Kerman, the author of Orange is the New Black, the uh, nationally renowned journalist uh, Campbell Brown, U.S. Senator Tim Kaine, former Senator Evan Bayh, former Governor of New Hampshire John Sununu. It's a great list. We're at more than 200 confirmed speakers. Early bird uh, prices are still in effect for tickets if you buy them between now and the middle of next week. So go to texastribune.org slash festival to sign up. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs, as always, for doing our music. And on behalf of, on behalf of Ross Patrick Morgan, and our producer, Todd, I'm Evan Smith. Thank you for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. I didn't know Todd was listening that whole time. Yeah. He remembers everything. Been listening yeah. for seven years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>